When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the New Books Network. Well, kid, you beat him. You're right. It's not enough. <laughs> it's close. Hi, everybody. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fanatics watch movies separately and talk about them on the show for the first time. What movie are we doing today, Mike? The Sting. We're doing The Sting, 1973, directed by George Roy Hill, written by David S. Ward, who also wrote, you may know, Major League, and he also wrote Sleepless in Seattle and Major League Two. But I think The Sting is probably his best work, wouldn't you say? I, I, no, I'm Major League Two, I think. Okay. So in part one, we always talk about our overall take on the movie. And I want to start by by saying, you know, we, we've seen this before, obviously. We rewatched it for the pod. This is a great movie to watch with people who don't know what's going to happen. You almost wish you could erase your memory and live through it the first time because it's such a great experience. But what I want to start with is an example of not us cheating on the pod, but something Mike texted me because we never share our opinions about the movie or what we're going to say until we record. But what I want to share is that when we both watched it, we watched The Sting and Mike sent me a screenshot of Pauline Kael's review of The Sting. And she dismissed it for, for a number of reasons. You know, Robert Redford, his hair is platinum. He's too good looking. And um, it seems like he's in love with Robert, uh, that Robert Redford and Paul Newman are in love with each other. And that um, and Mike just rolled his eyes at that. Other people have said that as well. David Thompson says the same thing and other people we like. But what I want to say is this. It can be very easy to dismiss this movie as all style and no substance, right? It's like cotton candy. It's sweet, but it's not filling. But but that's, that's I think, being deliberately contrary. That's being deliberately contrary. This movie does what only movies can do. You can read a book about Henry Gondorf and Johnny Hooker, and it can be a great entertaining thing. But only a movie can show you Paul Newman 
and Robert Redford. Only in only a movie can only in a movie can you see Robert Redford in that suit. And I think that what's great about the movie is that Henry Paul Newman he works. What does he? Where does he work? Remember what he what his job is to repair. Uh, the merry-go-round. The merry-go-round, right? Perfect. The whole movie's a merry-go-round. It goes around in circles. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't go anywhere. It's not going to. Sh- it's not. It's not Citizen Kane. It's not Wild Strawberries. But you have so much fun on this merry-go-round. And I was also reminded of watching it again is that nobody makes movies like this anymore. And what I mean is not movies about criminals or not movies with big actors. You know what nobody makes anymore, Mike? Light comedies. Yeah, and uh, let me let me dig into that because I okay. Let me first tell you what Woody Allen said about Pauline Kael. Do you know what Woody Allen said about Pauline Kael? No, that she has everything a great critic needs except judgment. There's harsh words. She, harsh words. She's always, no, no, no. He said, and he he said, I'm not I'm not saying that facetiously. She's a great writer. Um, her sentences sound beautiful. Um, they turn on on brilliant phrases, all of which is true. She's just always wrong always wrong like i i can't imagine somebody longer published except maybe um uh, michio kakutani and like the new york times uh who's not as good a writer as pauline kale even in her reviews that like how can you be that famous and bat o for a thousand like what's the matter with you and I, and i'll tell you something let me tell you something about the merry-go-round by the way while we're on it your response to the merry-go-round as an adult says a lot about you Maybe it's not what maybe you look to wild strawberries or you look to a film to find out things about yourself. But if you don't like the sting, there is something wrong with you. There is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with Pauline Kale. And she thinks she thinks that she's passing judgment on on film goers, on the film industry by wagging her finger at this movie. And I don't care if she's dead. Like it, it, it doesn't prove anything except that there's a there's a bitter hole in Pauline Kale somewhere that she doesn't like this movie. You do understand when I compared it to the merry-go-round, though, that was a, that was me praising the movie. Yes, I, absolutely. I'm just I'm I just want to make it clear that the refl- reflections of movies, the, the film industry has the power to tell you things about yourself. Wild strawberries can tell you things about yourself in one way, but if you sit down and you do not like this movie, you need to go, you need to really spend the another 30 minutes, the ride home, uh, go to the popcorn line and think, what is the matter with me that I am not enjoying this? Because it's not, it's not necessarily a world without consequences, but it's something, it's something like an adult fable, Um, right? The honor amongst thieves, the fact that all these thieves want to rise up um, to avenge a fellow thief who's fallen to the mob is is something like out of Alibaba. It's like if you made a movie for adults out of one of the Thousand and One Nights, but right. you said it in Chicago. Well, you know what this movie taught me about myself, Mike? That you love Robert Redford? Yes, pretty much. That I'm like, man, can you imagine walking around and being like these guys? I mean, my joke about... Northport Northwest is that it's really about what it's like to be Cary Grant, right? That whole movie is, it should, the real title of Northport Northwest is Being Cary Grant, because as we know, Archie, Archibald Leach invented this guy named Cary Grant, and the movie is about Roger Thornhill being mistaken for somebody else. George, George Kaplan, I believe his name is, the fake name is in the movie. So this movie's about what it's like to be Robert Redford, what it's like to be Paul Newman. These guys are so cool under pressure. They're great looking. They have great smiles. That's what I meant by a light comedy. You, but, you, but, you but smile even, the whole time you're watching. You do. The you do. But it's e- great. But even more than that, that you, I, it's difficult for me to imagine a less pretentious movie is where I was driving yeah. with the Arabian Nights. Right. So imagine you're you're the movie makers. You're like, how could I make it clear? 
to everybody exactly what I want the audience to get out of this. I know we'll do illustrated placards at the beginning of each sequence of the movie. No, uh, there's not still enough. not. Hold we on. We need there's, Scott Joplin movie music. We need Scott Joplin music. They're still not that? getting it. Ragtime the entire time. Okay, wait. There's. Do you know when this movie was released, by the way? 1973. On what day? Christmas. Christmas Day. It's, it, so the, the, the point is that th this is about the participation in, in innocence and your reflection away from the light says something about you, whether or not you want it to say something about you. This is a brilliant, well-constructed, gorgeous film to look at. Again, not just not just in its actors, in its resplendent color. It's fun to listen to. It's fun to watch. And there's so many people that recoil from this movie, and I, re I reject them and their opinions. So welcome back. I've managed to calm Mike down from part one and his harangue against people that don't like the sting. We both love the sting, and I actually harangued Mike over texts over the a few weeks saying, you got to watch this thing again. You got to watch this thing again. So here we are. We've all calmed down. In part two, we always talk about a favorite moment. Mike, what's one of yours? I really like when he's waiting in the in the pharmacy slash candy store uh, to have his meeting with Lonigan, and he's in the booth and he looks and uh, I, Lonigan has told him, you know, if, if I'm not there by quarter to two, I'm not coming. And then he stands up and he looks and they've been waiting for him the entire time in the booth. And he says, always check the back. And I just think that Robert Shaw is a criminally underrated. I know not I know not by you, but uh he just doesn't doesn't get enough credit, not just for what he does in this movie. He was a wonderful character actor and different in every movie that he was in. Um, and he really makes the movie just like a con is always really about the mark and not about the execution of the con. Uh, he he makes this movie by being its mark. OK, so what's your moment? So my moment is when all the criminals are auditioning for Kid Twist, who I love his name, by the way. And, you know, it's very easy to say how great Paul Newman and Robert Redford are in this movie. You know why? Because they are great. And um, it's very easy to call this the, the sequel to Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which it is. Same premise. Two charismatic movie stars having adventures. But we also forget, and what I was reminded of watching it again, is what a great ensemble there is in this movie. Like everybody's, everybody that's in it is great, aren't Eileen they? Brennan. Everybody's so She's good. So good. Everybody's so good. So my moment is when they're auditioning for Kid Twist, and this is like a chorus line for con men, where they all have to kind of audition to see if they can do the wire wire con. And what it reminds me of is the theatricality of the cons and how movies are a big con. You mentioned before the placards with the Saturday Evening Post illustrations. You remember that when you first see the first one for the title card of the Sting, it's a it's a an illustration of George Roy Hill making the movie which is really, really cool. And it reminded me, of course, that what do good movies do? They're all cons. Every movie is a great con game, right? And even here, you know, they have a script. They have actors. They have costumes. Remember the guy putting on the little mm -hmm. goatee? Because I'll play it as a Brit. And they'll have to kind of audition. Um, when Robert Redford is on the train and they first do the small con with the poker game to get Robert Shaw interested in. He remember he goes up to Robert Shaw and says, I want to get even with Paul Newman. This is what I want to do. This is why I'm going to betray him. Right. That's an actor saying, well, what's my motive? What's well, you know motive? what else it is? It's a trailer. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what's my motivation? They have special effects and not just the fake blood at the end. I love when they have to put the real hundred dollar bill on the stack of paper to make it look like there's more money in there. Um, it's got a director, Henry Paul Newman's the director. It, it's got all these things that remind us of, of theatricality. The first scene in the movie, when he does the, the trick with Luther and he puts the envelope down his pants, that's like a little one act play. That's like the treatment. That's like the pitch. And I, I I think that the wire con they do is the equivalent of like Lawrence of Arabia. That's like this super complicated thing, but it reminds you of how much fun it is to be conned when you go to the movies and that we willingly want to be conned. And there are people, you know, you said before people that don't like this thing are super annoying. You know who sits next to them? You know who else is super annoying? The people that think their job is to show that they're superior to tricks in detective stories and tricks in movies, right? So you come out of the, the, the only way you should leave the movie theater of the sting is you should be like, oh man, that was so great. That was so great when he opened his eyes. The most annoying person in the car will say what? I knew it. Yep, I knew it. I I, I knew it. I knew he didn't really shoot him. And you're like, oh, yay. You're the smartest person in the room. We want to be conned when we see movies. That's the beauty of them. Right, because we we all want to be taken in because also to be taken in means to be part of the audience, right? And so there's there are certain people that say, um, for whatever reason, like they have an anxiety about allowing people to manipulate them in a controlled environment for, for entertainment. And again, that does not say anything about the movie or the viewers that like it. It says something about you individually, right? That you should probably be speaking to somebody about because it, it is not the movie, it's you. Welcome back. So in part three, of course, we always talk about the title or the ending or the key takeaways. Dan, what do you make of the ending? I love the moment where the con is over. We're all clapping. The curtain seems to come down. We find out that Polk is really in on it the whole time. That's a great trick on us to get all these tricks. The gunshot stuff goes on so quickly because George Roy Hill does not want you to process it. Because if you think for three seconds, you're like, yeah, uh, yeah, Paul Newman's going to kill Robert Redford. Like, that's never going to happen. But the first time, you certainly believe it because you start to think he's got to make this deal to not go to jail. And how's it going to work? My moment, though, at the end is I love this moment. I could watch this moment you know, every other day. It's when Paul Newman says to Robert Redford, well, kid, we beat him. And Robert Redford pauses. He goes, yeah, but you're right. It's not enough. Because in the beginning, Paul Newman cautioned Robert Redford to don't get caught up in revenge. He's not going to, it's don't say that you can't let your emotions get away with him with away with you. And Robert Redford says, you're right. It's not enough. And you see Paul Newman's expression change for a second. And he's like, oh no, like he's going to go after him now. It's going to blow this whole thing. And then Robert Redford has the biggest smile in movie history. And he goes, but it's close and starts laughing. And then Paul Newman laughs too. Now, why is that moment great? Well, first of all, just because you're these guys are so charismatic that when Robert Redford starts laughing, you laugh too. But it's like a tiny little mini con. He gets one over on Paul Newman there. Now, in the movie, Paul Newman's supposed to be like Yoda and Robert Redford's like Luke. And at the, at the ending, when he says, you're right, it's not enough. He, he gets Paul Newman, he tricks Paul Newman, and then he lets him off the hook really easy, but it's close. And that's such a great, great moment where, where you're so happy for these guys. And it's true. Lonigan is never going to know what happened. He's never going to find out. Charles Durning is never going to know what happened, but we will. And I think this reminds me of the photo negative of another movie we've done recently that we love, which is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That movie ends with a lie, or I'm sorry, it tells us the truth. 
And that truth makes us uneasy. It makes the characters uneasy. It makes them think about, you know, what they've done with their lives. This movie ends with a lie. You know, uh, you know, Charles Durning and and Robert Shaw are never going to find out what happened, but we're in on it. And that fills us with joy. Yeah. To, and there's there's two things I like, really. One is what a reflection of the actual of the industry at a specific time this movie is, because so many of those actors that were in this movie started off on the stage and them talking about the small con is very much like actors talking about the stage. Right. And somebody says, "Nah, I've been doing this too long. I got to get out. And it's like, well, you were in a movie once. It's like, no, 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 no. That was so long ago. You know, I don't if you want to know about movies. Right. You have to travel to a not so far away place and learn from this guy and be in one of his productions and he'll teach you. And that's right. That that's like the inauguration of, of Robert Redford, who was already a big star. But, right. you know, that's the passing of the torch from the 50s and 60s to the 70s and 80s. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, film supremacy. And the, the other thing I like is how harmless uh, crime is, because in, in other movies, <laughs> right, think about think about the guy who gets the he gets the envelope stolen, right? We hear what happened to him, but we never see what happened to him. And I cannot think of a single director of the past 20 years, and that includes a Netflix, Amazon Prime, people who make movies now that could resist making the scene where the guy who lost the $12,000 eats it. 100% that would be in your script. And in this movie, it's it's just too much for this movie. It doesn't belong in this movie, right? The the only reason like to go back to your uh to your Star Wars analogy, the only reason to have um Luther get thrown out the window is it's like when Luke sees his aunt and uncle's um hut burned down on Tatooine, so he has to travel into space because there's nothing keeping him there now, right? right. That's that's the only reason um and so what this movie tells you early on is that there's not going to be any sex or violence in this movie unless it's absolutely necessary, right? Un unless something directly serves the plot, it doesn't belong here. And it's 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 like a beautifully well-constructed toy. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you you admire it and you say, but it, it's it's so intricately constructed and it's so beautiful. And its purpose is entertainment. And I, I know I'm a broken record. But again, if you if you hold that in your hands and you go, well, entertainment, what's that supposed to be? It's not the toy. That's entertainment, as Jake LaMotta says in Raging Bull. To your point about crime and not seeing all the all the blood. I mean, the only blood you actually see is, you know, the fake blood at the end. Remember, the, the good guys in this movie are the con men, but they only rob who? Well, they 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 only rob crooks to, to start out with. But the, the point being that there there is something in a con where you have to take the bait, yeah. right? So right. what's the difference between a con and a robbery, right? A robber will just take money from you because he caught you in the wrong place at the wrong time. So he's just going to strong arm you and take it, right? Why do they take the guy's $12,000? Well, they have to offer him something and they have to, it's right. It, they it's offer that guy's him temptation. Own greed. It's that guy's own greed that does it. And that's why they want to go after Robert Shaw and, as well. And you can, right. And you can only be caught by that. Right. And, and, and it's the same thing with an audience, right? That they say, listen, we're going to make this movie. This movie's not for everybody. It's only for the people who can hear the allure or the, the music inside the ragtime going on and say, oh, me, me, me. Right. And the, the confidence tricks only work because they give you something to believe in. Right. And you, you suspend your disbelief. And as David Mamet teaches us in House of Games, which is another great con man movie, why are these people called confidence men? Because they give you confidence, because you are confident that these guys are telling the truth. And it's hard to imagine two people that exude more confidence in the 70s than Paul Newman and Robert Redford. You totally get conned by them. 
Now, imagine picture one more thing, right? And so it's this is a movie about con men that only works by the confidence of the audience, right? So let's imagine, right? Uh, now you have a group of people. They're all sitting together. They're all thinking and believing and willing something into truth and reality in this universe and sort of becoming one while they all focus on the same thing at the same time. Where are we? In the movies. Or where are we? We're in the movies. Or? Um, uh, give me a hint. Uh, Sullivan's Travels. Um, they watch a movie too. They watch a movie in a church. Right, right. So right to be part of the right you're part of the con but you're also part of the congregation which again is an entire movie it's it's an it's an entire movie about the joy of entertainment and about what people actually need and how to make a well-constructed movie so this is to me this is if they made sullivan's travels in the 70s using the best stars at the time um and and that it really reminds me of that movie and i i like them for the same reason Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation about The Sting. You can follow us on Twitter at 15 Film. You can also follow us where, Mike? Letterboxd. And that's no con. Follow us. Let us know what to watch next. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.